0: Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Bait Hela Community Podcast. I'm back in Studio B. Yeah, the real world. That's right, with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick, how you I'm doing? I'm glad to be here. Yeah, yeah. I'm your great. co-host, Ryan Cabrera. I don't think I mentioned that. I got to take a week off. I I did. Well, you did take a week off. I, you know, I I, I did the you podcast, did. even on Victoria. But vacation. you didn't take a week off, though. I didn't. Even on you pulled vacation. it off. I like it. And while you're not as cute as my last co-host. That's you know, true. Um, I'll have to admit that. Uh, you know, I still, it's good to be back. It's good to be in uh, Bait Tejila. So, all right. So thank you guys for, for tuning in. Um, like I mentioned last week, I did the podcast on vacation with my wife, Ashley. So if you haven't watched or listened to that one yet, go back and do it. Um, I think she did a great job. I... Uh, those of you that are here for the first time, thank you for being here. Um, we every week, week in and week out, have been studying the Torah for the last four years, the Torah portions, and so those are great podcasts. I think you should go back and listen to those if you are getting into the Hebrew roots, you are getting into you know understanding that the Torah is relevant for Christian believers. You can get a lot of good insight into what is actually in the Torah. Take some of the veil of you know. Of cloak and dagger or whatever, mystical things away from it, and yeah. and just get what's there uh, from those podcasts. And then now, we felt like in year five, it made sense to hop into the Gospel of Matthew, because really, if you want to interpret the Torah, the best way to do that is to go to the Gospels. At least that's what Pastor Nick always says, right? That's true. And so Yeshua, Jesus, is the best interpreter of the Torah, bar none, because he wrote it So he's going to give you the insight on what the interpretation is, what a proper interpretation is. And so currently we are in the Gospel of Matthew. We're in chapter 13. Last week we did 1 through 23. This week we're in verses 24 through 43. And we're starting off with the parable of the tares. Yeah, so go ahead and
1: read 24 through 30. This is uh, Matthew chapter 13, verses 24
0: through 30. The wheat and the tares. All right, so another parable he put forth to them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servants said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first, gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn.
1: So what an incredible parable as we go into the four different kinds of soils, which is the good seed. It's yeah. a good, good seed. Yep. Now we're going to see that there's wheat and tares. So we'll just go down the line here. Good seed was planted in a field, but the enemy sowed tares among the wheat. Yep. Um, the wheat matures as fruit and the tares appear as well. That's Notice right. the difference. Yep. So the wheat matures and has fruit. Tares don't produce fruit.
0: They produce a tear.
1: Yeah, but what I'm saying is that there's no fruit. It's not fruit-fruit-like good stuff.
0: No, it's not good, right.
1: So the servants asked the householder, why are there tares if you planted good seed? Yeah. Well, the householder said that the enemy planted the tares. The servants wanted to gather the tares, but the householder said not to because they might gather the wheat as well. Mm. Now, we're in this harvest of barley and wheat right now, prophetically... Agriculturally speaking, right. At the time of the harvest, the tares are gathered first into bundles to be burned, but the wheat will be gathered into the barn.
0: Interesting. Okay. So
1: there's a there's a contrast here between wheat and tares. Wheat produces fruit. Tares don't. Not well, good fruit.
0: Right. They they produce fruit. So here's what the interesting part is: if you eat tares, it's poisonous. Right. Yeah, so it's it can like make, it can make you sick. I think it makes you sick, or it might even make you like tear like flour, hallucinate, or something. You know. It's terrible. You know. That's um, terrible. <laughs> I see what terrible, terrible, terrible,
1: <laughs> terrible.
0: <laughs> but
1: you know, the thing is, it's a contrast. You know, I like things that are black and white. Yeah. So wheat tear. Right. There's not like a you know, there's nothing in between. Well, there's some
0: issues here. Well, like, look, look,
1: the, the wheat is gathered to the barn. Correct. The tears are thrown into the fire.
0: So, so here's. So there you go. It's
1: just setting us up. I'm going to give you some issues the story. here,
0: though. The issue is that while they're growing you can't really tell the difference between that's true because you have um so if if you know i don't know how many people are watching this that are wheat farmers or barley farmers or grain farmers in general but me personally before i met miss libby davis and she started doing her teachings on the counting of the omer and showing us wheat and barley and all these different grains and what they actually look like on the field and the stock right i had no idea what wheat looked like versus what barley looked like versus what a tear looks like oh yeah and so I think to the average person who goes out into a field, they would not be able to tell the difference between wheat, barley, or a tare, especially while it's growing before it, it turns uh, white, right, before it turns its color or whatever. Um, and so that's an in, an important point. You cannot tell who is who until the end when the it's end. totally mature. The end of the world. That's right.
1: Uh, so this is setting us up, the parable of the tares, Uh Now we're going to check out the parable of the mustard seed.
0: I have one other thought, because from last week we talked about the parable of the four soils. Right. And in the parable of the four soils, the parable of the four soils is always the good seed represented the the good news of the kingdom. Yeah, it's very good. Okay. So this is the good news of the kingdom. It's not disinformation. That's being spread. (laughs) It's a hot topic right now. It's not. God's (laughs) word is really good. So uh, the four soils being... Uh, the wayside, the rocky ground, the thorns and thistles, and the good soil, right? But again, the sower is sowing good seed. So in this case, we have a sower wow. who's sowing good seed That's right. on good soil. That's right. Okay, so he's out there in the field. And then the right. enemy comes behind him and sows bad seed amongst the good seed wow. so that when they grow, they're mingled together. And when you have to you know, try to separate them, you can't. So he he starts
1: off with this parable of the wheat and the tares. Then he goes right into the parable of the mustard seed. Uh, This is Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 and 32. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds. But when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs, and becometh a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. Very interesting. So we have wheat and tares now growing up together. Mm -hmm. And now he busts out with this mustard seed because now he's planted his seed. We'll find out what that's all about. Yeah. But the mustard seed was the smallest of all agricultural seeds in Israel, and it becomes a tree. The mustard tree grows to a height of eight to 12 feet. Have you ever seen a mustard seed? It's like a little granule. Yeah. It's real little. You can like
0: get mustard seeds. Well, my favorite mustard is the ones that have like, like, the deli mustard has little seeds in it oh yeah
1: so yeshua used this parable to show that the kingdom has small and seemingly Mm -hmm. insignificant beginnings but will grow and produce great results
0: yeah
1: now the grinding and mixing the seeds with water vinegar or other liquids creates the yellow condiment known as prepared mustard do you remember the famous commercial it's great poupon you happen to have any grey (laughs) poupon dijon poupon (laughs) Uh, so that's interesting. I like mustard. Not a lot. Yeah. I'd like to have more mayonnaise than mustard. Oh, I like mayonnaise a lot. A yeah. lot of mayonnaise. Yeah, yeah. You know? But, uh, but yeah, the, uh, the mustard, you know, I like just the straight up yellow mustard. I mean, i don't get into the fancy mustard. Right. But it's okay. Uh, and here's a quote. Why don't you read Zechariah 410?
0: Oh yeah. Zechariah 410. Go ahead and read that. Do I need to go to the reference? Yeah, or go, go to the reference. Right, I know you I go you got
1: the New King James Version?
0: I do have the New King James Version.
1: So King anyway, me. yeah, Zechariah 4.10 is a very interesting part because this is actually the bridge to Revelation. If you want to study prophecy, you look at Book of Daniel. Zechariah is the bridge to Revelation. But Zechariah was about um, a, a rebuilding of the temple and some different things going on.
0: All right. Zechariah,
1: Zechariah 4.10 is, gonna, is, is
0: don't despise small things. Look, I haven't highlighted and what does that say? It says, For who has despised the day of small things? For these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord, which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. So something's going down there about
1: the temple and everything. Yep. Don't despise small beginnings. It, what he's measuring. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like we're going to be go meeting with the engineer for our plans to expand.
0: Yeah. Don't
1: despise small beginnings. Amen. Hallelujah. So we're going to the planning stage. I like that. You know, just like he's got the ruler and yeah. guys, you know, working the working the temple mount there. Um, I, I got a couple things here. It's it, this is discuss. Well, let's do this. The community of Beit Tehila was very small when it was started in a living room, but now we have a larger facility and a lot more people. That's right. Discuss how something really small in your life grew to be something bigger. Now, the example that I give is from being single to getting married and having children. Oh, yeah. And then when you have grandchildren, so you you're have really... So one to ten. Yeah. So I went from one to ten. Yep. That's, it's quite amazing when you think about it. <laughs> it's in your, a lot. In your family, too. I got yeah. a couple things, though, that's very interesting, though. Um, growing in spiritual exercises, you know? Oh, yeah. Like uh, praying and worshiping and the Word. Yeah, You know, doing the, the daily bread, the devotional, you know, uh, reading the scriptures. But you can you can grow with your faith, and your faith can increase. Because everyone's given a measure of faith, but your faith is supposed to increase. And how does our faith grow? But by hearing the Word of God. So you can't get enough of the Word, you know, right. so you just keep reading it. Um, number two, I say growing into a healthier lifestyle. So, like, exercise, eating healthier, jumping on the rebounder yeah. has um, going to give me a long life. mm so With you know, long life, because you don't despise small beginnings. So it's like, okay, this is what I'm doing to make my life better or to right. expand it.
0: Well, and to your point, everything starts as a seed, right? So are you going to water that seed and then let God bring the increase, right? Yeah. That's the idea there. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, healthy lifestyle, right? If you don't water that healthy lifestyle. Right. But you have to first start by at least planting the seed. That's like get right. Get started. You know, yeah. Do something small. Don't despise small right. beginnings. Get started. And then guess what? Just like compound yeah. interest.
1: I jump on the rebounder.
0: Put a little bit of money in.
1: And it's like, I think I've been doing it for two months now. At least, you know. Would you say your lymphatic and week.
0: circulatory systems are happy about that? Oh yeah, yeah.
1: No, I can feel thing. everything opening up, less foggy mine. Oh good. But yeah, the rebounder. If anybody wants to look into a rebounder, and you say, well, I don't really have good balance on a little trampoline, uh, they have rails that you can put up yep. and hold on to. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, the rebounder is, is an excellent piece of exercise equipment that's economical and it's healthy. Yeah. And it's not a lot of wear on your body
0: because right. you're on you know you're on springs. So but anyway. So, so hang yeah. on. Recently, I have been planting. Fruit trees, and so it's so funny how God works, right? So not only are we in the counting of the omer, and we're reading about seeds and wheat and barley and tares and all this stuff. Did you right? use the Florida Almanac to to do that? I use uh, the University of Florida. They have good resources online for what to plant where and when. Wow. Um, but in this case, I'm planting things that I'm gonna have for the long term, right? So I'm I planted avocado, mango. I've got uh, some peach trees. I've got um Wow You know, some blueberry bushes. I'm interested some, in the peach trees. Yeah, I mean I got a peach on the tree too. It's cool. I know. I bought it a tree, you know, and it had a little bitty peach. Wow. And I guess I did a good job of transplanting it because it didn't just fall off and die. It's been continuing to grow, my little peach. So check this out though. <clears throat> you think about this mustard seed and how it talks about how small it is, right? So anybody that does, you know, planting, right, whether you're planting peppers or tomatoes or whatever, any like your garden stuff. This is really small seeds compared to a mustard seed. Mustard seed is actually bigger than that. I know. That. <laughs> but here's the thing. The mustard seed turns into a tree, not a little plant. Yeah. Right? So when you compare it... to
1: 12 it, feet tall. I mean, that's.
0: So if you compare it to things that are like it, so the avocado seed, right, is like, you know, golf ball or bigger, right? Sometimes it's almost like a plum, yeah. like the size of a plum can be, depending on the size of the avocado. Yeah. Mango, right, big, you know, uh, shaped almonds. Oak, has, you have your acorns for your oaks, right? Um, you know that you have certain types of nuts, like tree nuts, that make those trees. So you're like your pecans and your... Um, almonds. Yep, almonds, orange, apple. So all of these become trees, right? Mango becomes a huge tree, right? But their seeds are big. So it makes sense that they make a big product. But it's interesting that mustard is considered an herb. Well, mustard it's is, a, tree. is definitely a spice. Most herbs are bushes. Well, or like little plants, yeah. it's so like dill, yeah, just like a little plant. Yeah, exactly right. These little, little plants. Whereas, and those are tiny bushes in comparison to an 8 to 12 foot tree. Right. Whereas the mustard seed becomes big. And so he's comparing this to the kingdom of God, right? He's saying that the mustard seed is like the kingdom of God, that it starts small as a small seed. And so again, in context here, these seeds have all represented the good news of the kingdom of heaven. Hey, listen. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about, you know, the good news of the kingdom. Let me tell you about how you can be grafted into God's family. Let me tell you how you can join eternity with me and all of the other brethren who are part of this community of believers. Let me give you this good news. It's to the
1: seeds. I know, but let me ask you this.
0: Yeah. Because here's the
1: thing that I'm thinking about. Yeshua used this parable to show that the kingdom has small and seemingly insignificant beginnings, but will grow and produce great results. Now, this is what I want to understand. The church is not growing.
0: Some churches the are. The
1: world growing. is not becoming born again in, in, in massive amounts of population. But what I want to say is this Ugh. but what if the mustard seed are the promises that are being fulfilled that God has put into the earth? Huh. The kingdom of God is at hand. I mean, I'm just saying that yeah. we have to be realistic.
0: Well, you can also. I mean, you.
1: Can, Let's do the demographic.
0: Well, if you think about it, from the time of Jesus to now, clearly Christianity is is arguably become its own thing, right? Aside from Jesus, <laughs> but it has well, yeah, grown I mean, tremendously.
1: I mean, I'm just I'm just thinking. Okay,
0: now it's being pruned.
1: Well, it's it's kind of like okay, you have Christianity among some of these nations where a dictator rules, right? But at the same time, though, if you're pushing Christianity out,
0: it seems like you're depopulating the kingdom. I think that the places that are, are preaching the gospel are are growing. Um, yeah. But let's, again, think about this. So, again, we're, the sower sows the seed, and we compare the four soils. So we understand that not every seed is going to grow. Right. Okay. So that's, I think, the point there. Then you have, hey, by the way, when you're trying to create a community of believers, the enemy's going to come in behind you, and even though you've sown good seed, he's going to sow in bad seed, and you're going to have wheat and tares. And, they're and gonna the grow violent taketh by
1: force, you know, there's going to be violence against the kingdom.
0: Right. Yeah. So then now we yeah. come to the mustard seed, and what happens, right? The mustard seed starts out very, very small, right? And don't despise small beginnings, as you mentioned, Zechariah 4.10. And it grows into this tree so it's going to grow into something and every seed that we plant of this good news can become a big tree and then people right the, the birds of the air can come and, and create their home right in that tree in that kingdom of heaven that's good
1: so mm-hmm. so let's look at leaven now um, another parable spake he unto them the kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened Matthew thirteen thirty three. Um, Now, the word leaven is the Greek word zume, and it means ferment, as if boiling up. Of course, we're reading Matthew 13, 33. In other passages, the Bible uses leaven or yeast as a symbol of evil or uncleanness. Here it is a positive symbol of growth. Though yeast seems to be a minor ingredient, it permeates the whole loaf. Although the kingdom began small and was nearly invisible, it would soon grow and have a great impact on the world. This is the one time where they're, they're going to try to use leaven as a good example, which is I could understand that because I want Scripture to interpret Scripture. It seems to be the case. Yeah. But it's almost like I'm not saying there's a hidden message, but it's almost like, well, you know, like the wheat and the tares, leaven is in the kingdom. Yeah. But he's liking it to something small like a mustard seed. Yeah. So I don't want to take it out of context.
0: Well, and, and you know, I thought, Marco last night when he came up said it very poignantly that whatever is in your life that you're choosing whether it's sin or you know the kingdom it's gonna it's gonna expand and grow in your life right so it, yeah you
1: reap what you, you sow reap what you sow and that's a tough tough
0: verse it,
1: it'll shake you up uh John W Lawrence just a, a a little shout out John W Lawrence is a great theologian who passed away but he's got a book called seven steps to the harvest and it's outstanding just a couple hundred pages
0: seven steps to the harvest
1: seven steps to the harvest john w lawrence and he really breaks it down really good stuff in there um and, and i'm at the age where i'm gonna be 55 next week <laughs> on may 11th next wednesday i'll be 55. Wow. i can't drive 55. It's 55. but the thing is though you know i'm i'm just thinking about my life you reap what you sow oh boy do we so as i look and see where am i at as a spiritual audit with my marriage, my kids, this church, yeah. what do I really want to sow? Yeah. You know, and, and it really has opened up my eyes. Well, so, and
0: remember, in this if you're not happy instance, with where you are today, okay, look back at the seed you've sown. And what is it, there's a commercial here on talk radio that says, the best time to start a retirement plan was 20 years ago, but the second best time is right now. And he talks, <laughs> yeah,
1: he talks about in this book, forget about yesterday, don't worry about tomorrow, Right. Today. What can you do today? It Sow the seed today.
0: That's what I've been doing because I've talked about planting fruit trees in my, my property forever. I mean, we've been there for, what, six years now? I've been talking and talking and talking about and you it. You could have already had fruit. I could have already <laughs> had what fruit. What a good point, see. I could have already had fruit. And and now I've got them in the ground. And, you know, you can't look at should have, could have,
1: would have. You can't. And so that's what he talks about and, in the book. And shout start, out,
0: start sowing today. Shout out to Matthew Sprunt for motivating me. Because Matthew Sprunt, boy, he is diligent. He's always growing something and he's always encouraging others. He brought me shoots of sweet potato, shoots of yucca or cassava, shoots of tree spinach, things that like, and I've planted all that stuff and it's all growing. Everything's doing well. So thank you, Matthew Sprunt. Um And uh, also I went to like the nursery over here locally and uh, I bought some fruit trees to get them going. But now I've been watching a lot of videos and learning that I can take shoots off of those and I can make my own to make more. And I'll just make a whole grove, you know? I can't wait for first fruits.
1: I tell you, so we've got the wheat and the tares parable that still has to be defined. We talked about the mustard seed. And now we got a parable about leaven. So the
0: leaven, in in this case, because I don't know that the... Eleven, it starts small, right? So you have this little bit of leaven. Yeah. You put it into the kingdom, and then it expands. Right. Right. So again, this is like all about like a mustard seed, yeah. Like a mustard seed.
1: Something exactly. small growing. So you know, yeah. think about Beit Tehila, Okay. We want a strong community, raising the next generation. It's a small thing for this little community, but the big thing is the restoration and regathering of the whole house
0: of Israel, and, the reconciliation of Jews and Gentiles. That's right. Do you know why he uses leaven here? to get rid of the religious spirits. Because everybody's like, Hametz. But it's like, okay, listen, you only don't eat Hametz seven days out of the year. The rest yeah. of the year, you're eating puffy bread. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's got to be normal. Gotta, eat, yeah, let's normalize leaven and so puffy bread. So
1: let's, let's jump into, uh, I'll go ahead and do this one because I got a lot of notes here. But okay. I, I want to bring this out because I thought this was interesting. We can go back and delve mm-hmm. on it later. But in the it's, it's about parables once again. In Matthew 13, 34 and 35, just two verses. All these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables, and without a parable spake he not unto them. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables, I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. So let's go back, and I'm going to go to Psalm 78, verses 1 through 4. So Psalm 78, 1 through 4. And I want to keep it in context here, what he's, what he's doing, which is very interesting.
0: Which is really cool. Here's
1: a cross-reference, because this is about the parable. So he says that...
0: Uh, it's a hidden gem.
1: I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. Mm. Okay. Um, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. Hallelujah. So keep it in context, because what he, what he says here, uh, he says this, Yeshua is teaching in parables to find out who has the Torah and who does not. <laughs> Say what? See, that's the secret. The Torah was the secret. Right. Right. The cross-reference can be found in Psalm 78, verses 1 through 4. In Psalm 78, 1, it says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. So as I look at this, I thought this was interesting. So I will utter dark sayings of old in verse 2 of Psalm 78. It's chayida, sayings. It's a puzzle, hence a trick. Conundrum. uh, Sententious. maxim. Hard question, proverb, riddle. Um and that's and that's what we see here. Now when it talks about dark sayings of old, old is Kadam, it means the front, the forepart, time of antiquity, aforetime, ancient time, and this is something interesting too. Sayings of old, it comes from the East or Eastern. Mmm sayings of old old Eastern from things. the East so you know um like the Middle East this is interesting because you know he's he's teaching parables he's teaching some kind of a, a, a spiritual moral lesson here and, uh, and and so it says right here that which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world so we know that Yeshua is teaching in parables to find out who has the Torah yeah so it's interesting that in Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine, it says, the secret things be, belong unto the Lord our God. That's right. But those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. So it was a secret. Yes. So God made it. It's not a mystery anymore. Right. It's not he, a secret. He revealed it. And he revealed it. So Torah has always been, but then he, 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 he expounds on it. He reveals it. So when you think about these parables... He's teaching Torah. Yeah. But he's wanting to know who has the Torah or not, which has, of course, been hidden because the Torah was in the beginning. Yeah. That's pretty wild if you ask me. I mean, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children. That is powerful. That is so powerful and deep. It is. I mean, dark sayings of old.
0: Well, and this is the thing. Like, I love... I've got just the Hebrew roots in general, right? So from my walk in the Hebrew roots, and, and you know, people put pot shots at us and stuff like that to talk about, you know, you're under the law or you're trampling the cross of Christ underfoot or whatever it is that people say, which really doesn't matter because all that matters is that we're, we're doing our best to express our faith the way we want to do it with God in conjunction and by faith. right? Right. But when I see things like this, it's almost like a little wink where Yeshua is saying things and he's quoting the Psalms, Right. And it's showing how it was prophesied that Yeshua would do these things to interpret the Torah. So that he was going to be revealing what, what, because we, there's so many hidden meanings and so many esoteric ideas or Gnostic things that people come up with from the Torah. But this is Yeshua himself saying, you know, hey, or, or the Bible itself saying that Yeshua is revealing the things that we were not able to get out of the Torah. So he's giving us the hidden gems From the Torah, right here, and one of those gems is that hey, you need to to study the law and the prophets in order to understand what Yeshua is saying. Because really, what's happening here? He's literally, I mean, look at it, saying all these things. Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables, and without a parable, spake he not unto them, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, so. At this point, he's he's telling you, "I'm speaking in parables because the people that are going to understand, we're going to be we're going to connect on these points that he's making, and it's going to be this understanding that happens between them. And the parables is a way that he uh, is communicating to those in the know, so to speak, right? And then the people that don't know are going to be discipled by the ones that do know, and they're going to be able to show them. And we today have it all laid out in black and white and red for us." so that we can then go in and pull these hidden gems for ourselves.
1: And so what we have to look at is the fact that he says, don't add or take away from my word. Yeah. And I'm not trying to be mean or anything, but the Jewish people have added to the word of God. Yes. And the Christians have taken away from the word of right. God. So he wants us to understand that we need to take it at face value for what it is, because yeah. what happened is, The Jewish people built all these fences around the commandments that you couldn't even get to the commandment because you were doing the traditions of men. So let's jump right into, uh, if you want to go ahead and hit that page... top of page three and you could just start with number eight i can the parable of the tears are going to be explained that's right so you just go right down the line there
0: i love these things because yeshua when he uh explains them you it takes away the question like oh i can interpret it this way or that way well no yeshua gave you the interpretation so here it is so uh verse uh 36 of chapter 13 in matthew says then jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. All right. so he's out talking to the multitudes, he gives the parables, the people that get it, get it, the people that don't, don't. But is it the disciples? So the disciples come to him in private to say, Hey, please explain to us the parable of the tares. And so he answered and said unto them, in verse 37, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. So in verse 37 he says, The good sower... The one who's sowing the good seed is the Son of Man. The sower is Yeshua, and he is also called the Son of Man. So Yeshua is referred to the Son of Man in the New Testament 88 times. So 88 times in the New Testament he's referred to as the Son of Man. Son of Man. And the good seed can also be the truth of God's word, and there is no bad seed with God. So as we sow out the principles of God, his His Torah, the prophet, the prophecies, the good news of the kingdom, we're sowing these things out. Um, That's good seed, right? And we become sowers because we are disciples of Yeshua. Right, his word. Right. And so verse 38 says, The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that uh, that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. Wow. Talk about laying it out in black and white. Right, I mean, boom, boom, boom. Check, check, check. He's he's laying it out. Now, the field is the world. Now you remember Jacob and Esau. We always talk about how Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents, which really means that he was because uh, that's the same words used in um, to describe Job that he was blameless and upright before the Lord. So we say that he was a mama's boy, but really we're saying that he's blameless and upright before the Lord. Right. And we say that Esau was a cunning hunter and a man of the field. So he's a thrill right. seeker. Right. Right. He, he's going out to hunt and to to you know to kill. And he is a man of the, of the field, which means he's a man of the world. So where do we get that the field represents the world? Jesus tells us right here, right. the field represents the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. So he's got, Jesus has put you where he wants you to be.
1: So let's go so back new. to what we started earlier in that parable. Okay. They are the blades that bring forth fruit.
0: Yes. See, good fruits. Yep, they're mm-hmm.
1: the blaze that bring forth fruit. Th- that's the good seed, the children of the kingdom. That's right. And the tares are the children of the wicked one. So enmity between the two seeds. Uh, John eight. I just got a few verses here about. Ooh. Um, Satan has seed, or Satan's children, or whatever, as he likens them to. Uh, John eight forty four. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Genesis three, too. and
1: John eight forty four. Yeah, in Genesis three fifteen, there's enmity between the two seeds, between the woman's seed and Satan's seed. So there's a spiritual law there that Satan has seed. So I don't, I don't know how that works. I, don't, I haven't figured it out, but, he, but he does. But he look, definitely. Look hasn't. what Yeshua says. He says this to the uh, religious leaders: "Ye are of your father, the devil, Ooh. and the lust of your father, you will do." Mm. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Wow, a murderer, a liar. Now that's uh John eight forty four. First John three eight. He that committeth sin is of the devil <whistles> for the devil sinneth from the beginning. Oh, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Oof. So we have those two verses, John, 1 John 3.8. Then, of course, we have Genesis 3.15, enmity between the two seeds, something to consider. But we also now will go to Jude 6. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, Ooh. but left their own habitation, he hath reserved an everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. They left their first
0: estate or principality, right? So and that's like Genesis six, where the da- the sons of God uh, and the d- saw that the daughters of of men were pleasant to the eye, right? And they came and they they laid with them and created the Nephilim. Let's see here. There's a there's one. There's, well, let's let's do this. Let me see here. And of course, the uh, Nephilim has several translations, but giants. And uh, the Book of Enoch says that the 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 spirits of the Nephilim, because they don't go anywhere, they're they're stuck here. That right. that's what the demons are. Yeah, the offspring of the Nephilim. Second um, Peter,
1: chapter two, verses four and five: For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and deliver them into chains of darkness, to be reserved unto judgment and spared not the old world but save Noah the eighth person a preacher of righteousness bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly
0: so that's an interesting study i would be interested to know like are the the fallen angels are not here today only the devil is is uh, is loose right now so the fallen angels are in chains but their offspring the nephilim when they passed or when they died physically their spirits were left but here but they as need demons. a host yeah they need to well that's why they possess people that's yeah. why the demons possess people because they're, yeah. they're stuck Um, And so I just, I wonder if that's how that dynamic works, you know?
1: That would be a neat study with uh, Dr. Mm -hmm. Michael Heiser, The Unseen Realm. You know, also, uh, yeah. Actually, I I read the book on demons, and I have to go back over it. He's got a book called Demons, Angels.
0: Yeah. Dr. Michael Heiser. You know, uh, Chuck Missler, it's four years ago, like I think this past week he passed away. So four years ago Chuck Missler passed away. What a great theologian he was. Obviously, you know, didn't necessarily agree with us on everything, but um, he... I just imagine when it comes to somebody like Chuck Missler, who was such a man of God and had such good insights and wrote so many books, what, like he missed COVID, he missed all of these things, right? How much has happened since he passed away, you know?
1: You know, uh, as you develop this, Ryan, just go ahead and keep going down the line here, because now he's actually interpreting the parable now that the wheat are the good and the tares are the bad. Right,
0: so the tares are the children of the wicked one. So we have God's seed which is the good seed, the children of the kingdom, and and Satan's seed, which are the tares, uh, which are the children of the wicked one. That's right. And so the enemy that sowed the tares is the devil. Yeah. Diablos. 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 Yep. And uh, the harvest is the end of the world and the reapers are the angels. Now this is interesting. Look how bad it's getting out there. That's right. This is, you know, we had a, uh, well, I think well, we'll keep going. So, uh, Number 11 here, chapter 13, verse 40 says, As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be at the end of this world. So the reapers come, and because you have to wait for everything to be harvested at the same time, they're they're reaping the harvest, right? And then the weed is getting thrown to the threshing area or to the barn. They're gathered into the barn to be threshed or whatever they're going to do with it later, right, to be stored. But they're, they're taking out... Of the wheat or the wheat groups, the tares, bundling them up into bundles, tossing them into a pile, lighting it on fire, and burning it. Why? Because they want it gone. They don't want it to contaminate the wheat. You know, have you pictured the reaper? <laughs> I mean, there's the grim reaper, but... I'm just saying that. Uh, I'm just saying that. That's kind of... Yeah. Well, God's going to send his his agents, his messengers, his angels to come in the last day, and there's going to be a resurrection, and then the wheat are going to go one way into his barn, and the tares are going to go into hell. And the tares
1: are gathered and burned in the fire.
0: Which doesn't sound like a good time for them.
1: So what, why don't you go ahead and read verses 41 and 42 of 13 as well.
0: All right, so the Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity. And shall cast them into a furnace of fire, and sh- there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Now, this is some interesting stuff. Now, the Son of Man will send his angels to gather out of his kingdom all the scandals that offend and them that do iniquity.
1: Yeah, because that particular verse right here, all things that offend, verse 41. Yeah. And that means scandals. Right, scandalizo, right? Right. See, that's why I like to break down some of these words or throw the Greek in there because it gives you a better picture. Yeah. Can you tell me there's scandals happening? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. At
0: what level? At the highest level. What about in the church? Also in the church. The government? I mean, even there's-, there's Our mega, families? There's, what about our families? Yeah. There are scandals. There's international multi-location megachurches in complete scandal right now. I mean, the church is not in a good- How, enc-
1: how do you think you get tyrants? Scandals. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. Sometimes they're manufactured scandals. I mean, listen, scandals. has there ever been more tyrants than now? Probably or not. dictators? Probably not. Or even wh- communism is a scandal. Uh, absolutely. Right? Russian communism,
0: Chinese communism, those are scandals. I'm going to throw one more thing at you. You ready? Scandalizo. You ready for this? So this word here, iniquity, at the end of verse 42, right? So he says, this. Those that, the things that offend, um, I'm sorry, at the verse, end of verse 41, and, the, and them which do Iniquity. Now, in the King James, it translates it, those that practice lawlessness.
1: Oh, that's good. So first, this is the word. Are you going to 1 John
0: 3, 4? I'm not. I'm going to go, uh, probably, 1 um, John 3, 4, no, no, no. So lawlessness here is in 1 John 3, 4, because you were just there talking about those that commit sin, you know, are of the devil. In 1 John 3, 4, it says that sin is the transgression of the law, right? Right. Um, or is, is the practice <laughs> of lawlessness. Who had iniquity the first time? the devil very good that's right that's, that'll that'll shake things up but check this out this word is anomia right so nomos in the greek is the word for law it's a judicial term um but in this case we're talking about uh anomia meaning a lawlessness so it's a nomia uh, right so it's just the tense of the of the word here changes to give you an english the equivalent of ness right. on the end so check this out though this is the same word used when Yeshua says, depart from me, I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. It's the same thing. It's those that practice lawlessness, right? Now, again, I, I don't, I'm not going to be one of those that's going to tell you that if you're not following the Torah perfectly, then you're going to hell. Because I don't personally believe that. I believe that we are covered by the blood of Yeshua and we have his grace. And thank God that he took the curse of the law on our behalf but i would say that those that blow off the law and push it to the side as if it's done away with not relevant and shouldn't be given a place of reverence as if it is the the instruction manual right. that god has given for for a positive productive life um i would say that i don't want to be in that camp at all like i'm not saying what about that-
1: this though what if you know to do something and you don't do it isn't that sin absolutely but anyway this word iniquity it's wickedness yeah that's what it says right here in the strong's concord it's anomia It's actually, uh, it says it right here.
0: Yep. Or unrighteousness, too. Yeah, because nomos is law. A nomos would be no law, right? Anomia meaning lawlessness. Lawlessness. Unrighteousness. Right. So so what's going to happen
1: after the scandals? Well,
0: uh, they will be cast into a furnace of fire. And there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Now, you've mentioned this before, that it presents regrets, right? Wailing and gnashing That's of teeth. part of it, but there's more. Yeah, so the gnashing of teeth is used to denote um, extreme anguish and the utter despair of men, consigned to eternal punishment in hell. It also means snarling, growling, and in the sense uh, of biting. You know, I want you to think about this.
1: Because I guess I need to talk to my dentist. <laughs> But gnashing of teeth.
0: Yeah. Arr.
1: How many of us grind our teeth? Oh, at night. In our sleep. Yeah. And that causes? Problems. Problems. Oh. You know, you're grinding your teeth. Yeah. Oh. That's gnashing of teeth. Yeah. And the connotation is biting, too. <laughs> you know, biting, you know, Arr. like, man, he just bit me, you know. Yeah. Ouch. You know, Why do you want to bite me, you know? Don't bite me. <laughs> see, the little chihuahua Or like up people up that, that say, oh, ankle. bite me, you know. So <laughs> that's not a good thing. No. You know, that, that's not a good thing at all. So um, so it says here, discuss from the parable of the tares how they are removed first and why a lot of believers want to be caught up to be with the Lord and gathered first. So yeah, interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna just say this and I'll have you go to those verses for me real quick. Okay. Listen to this. It seems to be that the wicked are removed first.
0: It does seem, in all the parables, for now, sure.
1: But here's the thing, though. This is the good news. Now, I don't want to leave you hanging. The righteous will be gathered together as well. Matthew 3, verses 10 through 12. Go ahead. Matthew right. 3, verses 10 through 12. So the righteous will be gathered together as well. But it says here that the wicked are removed first. So check out Matthew 3, verses 10 through 12. This is John the Baptist even making reference to fire versus a barn.
0: All right. So, And even now, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire.
1: You got winnowing, threshing. Yep. Right, right. Chaff. Check so out. Go, was, go ahead. No, go to Matthew twenty four thirty one. Oh. Let's just finish this Matthew up, and you 24. can share You can share Matthew twenty four thirty one in, in the hope of the the righteous being gathered.
0: Well, it says this, and he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other.
1: So there'll be some angels that will be reapers for yeah. to remove the tares, and there will be some nice angels that would come and get us. Yeah and you tell them where you want to go. What about 1st Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 16 through 18, my last There's reference here great just a, verses here. just good hope here that we have that those that are alive remain, you know, kind of thing t-shirts. 1st
0: yeah. Thessalonians 4:16-18.
1: Yep. So there is this great hope.
0: For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and the, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we will shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. I think that's pretty awesome. There's some good stuff in there. So um, we talk about a couple things here. One of the things I wanted to mention was with the wheat and the tares. We already mentioned that the tares are kind of poisonous, right? They make you sick or make you high or whatever. Yeah. Um, the... Other piece of this is is that they're kind of hollow, right? So the tears stand straight up, and so we we talked about some symbology with this that the tears stand up because they're no good, and so they, if you were to get some tears in with your wheat, you could winnow the tears out. The reason they stand up straight is because their fruit is is kind of hollow, the 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 grains, and so the wheat itself is bent over because of the weight. Like once they become ripened, the weight of the of the wheat on the cream of wheat, baby right the weight the weight of the wheat the weight of the wheat uh bends it over and so this is symbolic to the humility of the wheat versus the pride of the tares right the the ones that actually have real substance to them are are humble before god but the ones that are hollow and empty inside are the ones that you know have pride even though they don't have the substance so it's this funny little little things that you can go and you can go symbol symbol after symbol after symbol between the wheat and the tares and do that but it says in that um, in those verses in Matthew three about John the Baptist saying that he has his winnowing fork in his hand. And so if you know the process of winnowing, they toss up the the grains of wheat, and they have a fan. Somebody's fanning it, and what happens is the the heavier grains are going to fall down, and the chaff right. and the bad seed is blown away to another section. And then they gather all that chaff that got blown over, um, and into a pile, and they burn it to get rid of it. Um, the same thing can be done with the tears, i believe and you know what else is interesting one of the reasons that they know that the temple mount is the temple mount because they've, they've proposed other other locations but it's the threshing floor of ornon the jebusite it has to be in the spot where it is in order for it to be a threshing floor that's true because they're they're using it at the top of the hill for the winds to come right. through when they're winnowing so just a thought that is good it is good um I'm trying to remember the last little piece where we were at. So we are at. You got to do number 13. All right. We'll just move on to number 13. So I'm going to. I might come back to something because I got to remember it. So it says, Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. uh, Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Oh, I remembered what I was going to say because I have ears to hear. Amen. There's other parables that Jesus tells. And if you read Matthew 24. There's all these things that he says, and then he uses the words, and then the end will come, or and then this happens, and but all these bad things come beforehand, right, this tribulation, and then, but when, when it talks about like, hey, two will be sowing in the field, or heart reaping in the field, one will be taken, one will be left, and they ask him, well, what happens to the one that got taken? And he's like, well, they're going to be, you know, what, eaten by the buzzards or something. So it's not good. And you could yeah, you could find those references, but in all the cases where Yeshua gives the references about one's taken and one's left, even when it comes to the the parables that we're reading now, it's always the the wicked that are taken away first and then they're either burned or they're destroyed or eaten by buzzards or whatever uh the case is. But verse 43, which is the last verse we're studying today. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father, who hath the ears, let him hear. So that's our hope, that we want to be counted among the righteous so that we can shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of our father. So notice that after the tares, the wicked children are gathered and thrown into the fire. The righteous children, the good seed, shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. And yeah. You, and you can have ears.
1: Now, now check, check this out. Here. So check this out. I just got this. Little download. I'm ready now. I'm ready. Tears are removed, burned in the fire. Yes. The wheat gathered to the barn. Right. Whatever. In Daniel, because this is Daniel twelve three, because it says Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun. Then shall Yes. The tears are gone. Yeah. We shine. Yeah. But look the reference cross references daniel 12 3 mm. about the sun or the firmament right okay so let's look at daniel 12 2 and many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt and they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever <clears throat> and that's what the holy spirit is going to do <coughs> it's going to convict the world of what
0: sin righteousness and judgment. and, and
1: judgment um, in Daniel 12 10 many shall be purified and made white and tried but the wicked shall do wickedly right. None of the wicked shall understand but the wise shall understand yep. so many shall be purified and made white white like Laban Laban yeah, but he was a shady character he was <laughs> uh, And tried but the wicked shall do wickedly and none of the wicked shall understand but the wise shall Understand I thought this was interesting if you just continue on we'll uh We'll get to our two points. Yeah, so
0: you can have ears to hear but still not hear with spiritual understanding. I think it's also important to mention that those verses that you just read from Daniel 12. Daniel 12 is one of the key verses because a lot of people ask, well, you know, what happens when we die or what happens in the last days because you have all these verses that are not so clear. But Daniel has some very clear verses, and he's saying, hey, at the end of the days, everybody gets resurrected. Everybody has the resurrection. But what happens? Some go to the left, some go to the right, right. Right. So there's a separation at that point.
1: Notice that after the tares, the wicked children are gathered and thrown into the fire. The righteous children, good seed, shine forth as the son of the kingdom of their father. See, so Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruit. Yeah. You know, we can't really decide who goes to heaven or who goes to hell. No. He says, you'll know them by their fruit. Yeah. Even when I do a funeral. I don't I'm, hoping, I'm hoping they made it. Yeah, me too. You know? But who, who am I to say, you know? Who, well, who that's, made that's good because
0: that's my first point. So my first point uh, from a consensus of my little self here yeah, from this me, scene, myself and I. is we can't distinguish between the wheat and the tares. Only the angels who are trained reapers can do that. Remember I mentioned earlier about like I couldn't tell you the difference between wheat, barley, and tares at the end of a, of a harvest cycle unless I had like somebody that really knew. With what was your first point? We can't distinguish between the wheat and the tares. Only the angels can do that. That's the reapers. Well oh, the, the Lord end. can do that, right?
1: Well, you know, think about it like this. I don't know. Think about this. Think about you know, the kind of, That's a judgment call then. Because here's the thing. You might
0: think someone's a tear. Yeah. But they're not. Well, that's my point. Because they're not redeemed. Listen, there was a time when when I we had the probably looked like a tear. We were acting like one. I was acting like a, th- but yeah, we're not you too. a tear. It you was too. A, yeah, thank God. I was on a tear. Like I'm a glad cat.
1: Messiah didn't come back before March of '92. Hallelujah. I don't know if I would have made it. <laughs> Amen. Think about that.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. So, so the angels know, right? Because they're they're trained reapers. They're the reapers. But I think about a congregation, and I think about like sometimes you have people within a congregation that act like a tear, or you have issues with, or whatever. Maybe they're not your cup of tea. But what happens is, is when you try to pull those people out, what happens? Other people go with them. It, it hurts the wheat. And now the wheat are going with them because you caused some, some premature conflict that didn't need to exist. What will end up happening is at the end of everything, right, they've grown up together. And ultimately, one gets cast into the fire wow. and one gets taken into the barn. So my second one was don't judge a seed by its size, which I just kind of feel like that's, that's a good little... Low point. Say that again? Don't judge a seed by its size. Oh. Because what really matters is that that seed, although small, becomes 30, 60, or 100-fold increase. Wow. And I'm always praying for a hundredfold. Let's see here. Interesting.
1: That's kind of interesting.
0: Hmm.
1: What's that? I was just thinking about the end of the world, that particular phrase. Yeah. Mine says end at, of the age. At the end of the world. Yeah. Um,
0: it's the end of the world as we know and it. And I feel fine. <laughs> and I feel fine. That's not good. You know what? I'm just wondering if. I'm hoping when this reference time comes that I will feel fine. I'll feel pretty good. Let's
1: see here. Um,
0: Be like, Lord, thank you. God has been very yeah, good. Yeah, so
1: basically, you know, I want I want to make reference to the uh, the the reference here. My first thing is don't <laughs> despise small beginnings. Yeah. So there you go. Don't judge.
0: Don't despise small beginnings. I like and it. then
1: um, God will send his angels to gather the wicked to be burned in the fire at the end of the world. Yeah. So that's point number two. Ouch. Uh, but in Matthew, it's kind of interesting. Matthew twenty-four, the disciples come to Yeshua. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, this is Matthew 24, 3, tell us when these things shall be, number one, and what shall be the sign of thy coming, number two, and number three, and of the end of the world. So they're basically asking him three questions. When are these things going to be? Like the temple and all these other things. What shall be the sign of thy coming? And at the end of the world, and he says, not one stone will be left upon another. He, he goes right out of the gate. Wow, that's uh, that's when it's going to start, huh? right? Yeah. So so when you when you look at the end of the world, there are signs leading up to, like, it's kind of like the birth pangs thing, you know, the whole birth pangs. Yeah. When you get 10 centimeters, baby, there's a baby coming.
0: You know, Lars and Narson wrote a good, great book called um, The Birth Pangs of Messiah. Pretty good. So anyway, that's it. Yeah, I'll, I'll wow. tell you what. There's, um, we could do ten podcasts just on this. I mean, there's so much. Uh, That's just a couple things: the parable
1: of the tares, and yeah. mustard seed, and oh man, the the leaven is a parable, and yeah.
0: that was it. Yeah, he's God. God knows what he's doing. He's so, a king. Father, we love you. We're so grateful that that you have given us insight into the words of your Son, that we might be counted among the righteous that we would believe on him that we would follow him that we would be disciples uh and that in the last days when reaped that we would make it into the barn lord so we're we're gunning for the barn that's where we want to be lord and and we just pray that you would uh help us to be faithful from now until then god as uh you walk us through our sanctification and so we love you we appreciate you god we appreciate your word and uh we just bless you and we thank you for the, the people that are listening and receiving your word with us in Yeshua's mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for being with us today. What a awesome set of scriptures, man. Sometimes I'm just like dumbfounded when we get to the end of a, of a, you know, a podcast or, or a study or whatever. And I'm just like, man, this is just incredible. Like, it's like another realm. How do we merit this? We're like in a realm, you know, his realm. Yeah, absolutely. the kingdom of God Absolutely. so if you guys need to reach me it's ryan at 2praise.net or you can just comment um, on any of our stuff like and subscribe, do all that good stuff bless you guys, have a great week